Hey everybody, welcome to We Got the Beats, the podcast devoted to teen-oriented entertainment of the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael. Mindy's on the other side. How's it going, Mindy? It's a little sloppy, a little but sloppy. other than that, it's a-okay. <laughs> she was attacked by a tentacle monster. <laughs> Otherwise known as my dog. Is this the first episode in months that we've done, like a real intro, where we just don't casually fall into it? <laughs> It's because almost every time you you push record and you don't tell me. <laughs> I mean, I think maybe it's fine because it's natural that way. But also, um, some people, yeah, you just sort of like walk into an already oh my god an already existing conversation. <laughs> Pepper is not happy about the movie selections. That you like the foibles of our lives. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, this is basically a Lily, Lily Taylor appreciation episode. I, I started thinking about uh, her after we discussed Say Anything two weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? Dogfight was really good. And I just watched Mystic Pizza. It seems like a really appropriate like double feature. Do you think anyone else has ever done a podcast devoted to Lily Taylor before? No. I don't think anybody's ever discussed Dogfight in a podcast. Maybe Mystic Pizza, but definitely not Dogfight. In fact, I'm assuming there are going to be about four listeners for this episode, and I really don't give a shit because I really like both movies. I don't know. There may be some serious Mystic Pizza uh, junkies out there. I don't know. That's true. It is a big it's cult a hit. There's a reason movie. why people, yeah, as I say, people still talk about it. I, did, I looked this up. And it was released by a company called the Samuel Goldwyn Company, um, owned by like the great grandson of you know Goldwyn Meyer, you know the MGM uh, uh, group, uh, and he only does like like animated pickups or foreign uh, releases. He'll bring over here uh, out of like the hundred movies that he's done, like maybe fifteen are full on like he was behind the production of it. Like in Mystic Pizza is like I think his biggest hit. Which isn't even that much. It's $16 million. So this is like his legacy. Uh, uh, well, if you want to count the Care Bears movie, technically that is his biggest hit. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that movie. I think yeah. you saw that in the theaters. I think maybe I did. Yeah. How did you discover Mystic Pizza exactly? Because I'm decades late for this one. Um, I... You know, I just don't remember those kinds of details, but I'm a sucker for a good chick flick. I don't. I think this is definitely more than just a chick flick, though. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I've seen all those movies. You know, Satisfaction, and I don't know. Maybe I was a big Julia Roberts fan. Yeah, I was wondering if you had. Did you I had you seen it before Pretty Woman? Did you already know who she was? No, I, I know she was in Steel I don't Magnolias. Think I did probably. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely saw still, I think I saw Still Magnolias before Pretty Woman, but I'm not even, I can't even say for sure about that. But yeah, I definitely have seen, you know, that movie uh, on more than one occasion. I've seen this movie many times. Um, so I can't say for sure, but um, it sure is a delightful movie. It, you know, I call it a chick flick, but 
But in reality, it's so much more than that. Yeah, it was never uh, sold originally as that that kind of movie, but I believe after Julia Roberts became a big star, they repackaged it where they pulled her face yeah. to the front and everybody to the foreground or background and sold it more mm-hmm. as a chick flick. And it is, that's why I avoided it. It just didn't seem like my kind of thing. And I've watched them before, but I usually just don't repeat value on a lot of the female-oriented films. And... Um, I just really like that it was a slice of life kind of movie and it's a character driven piece not a plot oriented piece mm-hmm. where a lot of these uh, chick movies can I hate seeing chick flicks I really do you can say it I know I feel like I'm condescending what's a, be- what's a better what's a better like somebody make a, a, a new genre like descriptor than this because it's so um, not insulting because it's, it says chick in it but insulting because Movies like this have so much more depth to them, right. you know. Well, it's it's not. I mean, like not it's all sold. of them do, but that's okay. Yeah, it's not like it's uh God, there's so many of these movies that I think the reason the romantic comedy is dead is because there were so many that repeated the same formula, the cliches, and this doesn't even bother to even touch that. And originally, this was going to be a double feature with Satisfaction, which I thought was kind of a movie that subverted um, a lot of the the genre at that time. But I couldn't. I just could not find this movie. It's so expensive if you want to buy a physical copy and it's nowhere streaming. Well, it could have been, you know, and you know, the small smaller films of Julia Roberts appreciation episode. Yeah, that was originally the plan. I wanted to that, just, I wanted to talk just, about her. Yeah. That's just okay. And so, uh, you know, this is really like you know, you're right, a slice of life. And I'm realizing more and more as we talk about that, that that's uh, some of my favorite movies uh, are, you know, about normal people in, you know, normal circumstances. And sometimes, you know, uh, there's like, you know something that happens to kind of shake them all up, and they all have their their own little private moments of uh, challenge to their supposed hum humdrum little seaport life, which is a very very different. I mean, we're small town kids, but this is a very very different small town kind of life. Right, we're from a farm town. We're there from a um, fishing town. Yeah. And Which is a very, very different lifestyle. Yeah, I didn't realize. This is weird. I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry, and it says uh, that all three of them are Portuguese-American girls. And I'm like, in the small town of Connecticut, you, you happen to have Portuguese-American girls that are best friends? What? Well, I mean, I think that it's not that surprising, because there are many different, like, small cities and little, you know, areas in the United States where... Uh, That's true. You know, East Coast, people East of certain yeah. descent at one point, you know, all kind of gathered together because, you know, you may have wanted to um, start a new life in a new country, but you didn't want to be completely alone. So a lot of a lot of people would go where there were other people from, you know, their town or there was some connection or some something. So uh, I am sure 
there was a good chunk of the people in that town were Portuguese and shared traditions. And I mean, you saw some of the scenes like, you know, the wedding scene when there's, you know, have specific, uh, traditions right. and um, songs and the song that Lily Taylor sings uh, to I forgot the little girl's name when she babysits for her you know is you know there's certain um, traditions but I, I don't think it's really that strange I think that it's it is entirely very common thing actually yeah and I what I appreciate about a lot of it is that the characters that they give them are uh so unique. I mean, they're honest, and you know people like that, but in cinema they tend to ignore the... So you have Lily Taylor who wants to get married, but she's also having like this complicated road to it with Vincent D'Onofrio, who I think this is like... Is this actually the first big thing for all of them? Because I don't recall. Honestly, I would say... Yeah, probably. I mean... Oh, no, Vincent D'Onofrio, I'm sorry. Vincent D'Onofrio had a big role the year before in Full Metal Jacket. I forgot that he was a shaved-haired, like, angry Oh, well, I've never seen that. Never. It's a a waste of fucking time. I I don't understand the the obsession with this movie. Um, But for for the most part, they're all fresh faces, but their their relationship is interesting. Then you have uh, Annabeth Gish, and she has that relationship with the older man, which throws you for a loop. I did not expect... uh, well, uh, spoilers, because I can't get through this without actually spoilers. Yeah. But I did not... Did I miss okay. it? Was there hints that I missed that he was actually married? Yeah, they talked about it multiple times. Really? Because I thought that they were divorced. I didn't know that they were happily married and that she was just gone for a little bit. And then... No. Because she felt so no, betrayed. I would yeah. say... I would say that they... It was misleading that that there was... The way that they presented it, and it may have been intentional, is that it was very uh, unclear as to the status of the relationship and if there was problems. Because there's one point where the little girl and, gosh darn it, what's her name? Phoebe? I can't remember her name, damn it. I guess it doesn't really matter. But um, she says something about her mom being in England, or my mom lives in England now, and she said, oh, well, she's just working there. She'll be back soon. She goes, oh, my parents aren't getting divorced. And so you, it kind of indicates that, you know, she specifically says that because she's either overheard things or something's been said to her, you know, and this, but she's a little kid, so you don't know what's, like, real and what's not. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that that was an intentional decision in the move, in the film making process that they they leave that to be unclear, which leads to her presumption. Which also, like Julie Roberts has a moment later because of way she doesn't think things out or whatever. Her she's impulsive. It's her presumption that that guy is cheating on her yes. or whatever. So it's it's really honest uh, human behavior. But I love the fact that they do back down. That they do. Make it realize, like, you know, instead of, like, some of these movies that keep driving for, like, no matter what, I can get this, whatever, she apologizes, she realizes she's an ass, and then Annabeth right. Gish has that moment where she kind of recoils and is broken a little bit by it, but he's a fucking right. asshole because he acts like it's completely 100% nothing, and I was like, dude, right. you should feel some fucking guilt over this. You know, I do, you know, appreciate, these are all very flawed women, 
they uh, well, they're are teenagers. Not necessarily... That's the thing is, this is takes place in the summer between high school and college, and I think we're all like this. Like we just make that's your well, point. I mean, like to make mistakes. Yeah, we know we know that Kat is eighteen, and she's going to be. You know, she took a semester before she starts going to college. But I mean, Daisy's her older sister, and JoJo is. I don't. We don't know exactly how old she is. So I think <laughs> these are still young. They're young women, but we don't. You know, in their early whatevers uh they're not really teenagers necessarily but still young women figuring trying to figure out who they are you know they're they're uh mostly i mean they apologize when it matters because they realize they're wrong but there's some things that they are unapologetic about you know julie roberts character daisy is like she is kind of you know she sleeps around and she goes out with a lot of guys and she doesn't really feel bad about it and she doesn't feel like she should she's just having fun and doesn't you know doesn't think that they should treat her any differently you know uh or or badly um jojo is having yeah a weird crisis with with uh the idea of marriage and passes out and then they like stall the wedding and then she reacts like totally crazy and then starts having like sex with what's his name bill all over the place in weird (laughs) places because for some reason she's just like well i love you i just don't know if i want to be married to you and all this stuff and she just has like brief crisis mode and then and then that whole scene where he's just like you know what I don't want to do this anymore. Like, of course, it was partially, you know, motivated by the statue of Jesus staring right into his eyes. But also that he was just like, you know what? Like, I'm tired of this. You're you're just obsessed with my dick. I thought that was so <laughs> funny when he said that. It, and it was just like, he, there was, you know, a real moment where this guy is like, feel kind of like you're just using me at this point like commit or like let's move on because i don't this feels gross and i really appreciated that totally yeah um yeah it's it's the one guy that is a viewpoint that is a viewpoint that is so rarely expressed that men can be abused you know a Right. Be, uh, treated poorly that just you know taking advantage of a guy or whatever is always like yeah man you know like is a is viewed as a positive thing when that's a really really fucking unhealthy way to look at that thing there's a lot of people who you know a lot of men who don't want that to be their experiences and it's really gross so let's Let's stop perpetuating that. Yeah. Y'all, thank you, movie from 1988, and how huh. often have we seen it otherwise? Well, and there's there's another trope that they subvert in this is, and it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go, is when Adam Stork, uh, who I only know from The Stand, um, he brings Julie Roberts to his house, and she's from the poor neighborhood. He's super mega rich, and his parents are a bunch of dicks. But he makes it such a big deal, like almost as he put it out yeah. there on Front Street to embarrass her on purpose to make a scene. And he's not the one who's going to have to suffer the consequences. She is. And she tells him that. It's like, what kind of bullshit self-serving crap was that? I was fine. You're the one who has the problem. And I really appreciated that scene. 
Yeah, she he she she called him out on his stupid like he's trying to prove a point by bringing home the townie. Yeah. Like but she but she said no, I don't want to do this. This is not okay. And and even his, you know, you're being the asshole. His own family while yes, they said some like not great stuff that you know should have been disturbing but he totally made that situation worse than it needed to be and he did that on purpose and it was mean yeah it was like as if he was doing a circus act you know it's like oh here's the freak show here's the thing you know it's like what are you fucking what are you putting on display for for people to look at just stop it i'm a normal person just like you i just don't have as much money yep yeah and hello to the first film uh, credit for um, Matt Damon oh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, his younger brother at that dinner scene, and that's it. Have you, now you told me you've been to Mystic Pizza. Now, this is a franchise, or have you actually been to Connecticut? And I didn't know this. I have been to Mystic Connecticut. Wow, I didn't know that. Have you been to all I the states, to... by the way? No, I have like eight or so left. And I realized, or maybe, maybe 10, I don't know. I realized that sounds like a super privileged thing to say, uh, also to those four listeners out there. <laughs> yes, I have been lots of, lots of places. Uh, our, our mom was, even though we were, we grew up pretty poor for always, our, our mom was super like, um, she could work a budget. Like, she could work travel. a budget for a trip. Yeah. Oh Lord! Travel as education, and she, you know she wants she took us to see a lot of things and do a lot of things. But yeah, that woman can work a budget like nobody business. Um, so thanks for teaching me how to be a frugal individual in life, um, but also to experience a lot of really cool things. So yeah, I still have a, a few states left, but I have been a lot of places, and I know that that is. Um, privilege that a lot of people don't experience um yeah one one summer i don't remember exactly when but we went to connecticut and rhode island and uh vermont and maine and and massachusetts we went to boston we stayed in uh what's the witch town um salem salem it was a really cool trip. So you've been, to, yeah. I've never been to the whole eastern section. Like New York is where we stopped because we went to Canada, but I've never seen the rest of it. I'm kind of, um, I kind of want to do that. I want to put that on my bucket list. It's pretty. It's you know, it's a very different. You know, it's very very different from the from this the coast we live on, and uh, it's refreshing to experience other things in life. And we like went to see like. You know Vermont, where they like tap the maple trees, and uh, oh, a lot of really interesting experiences. So yes, I have eaten at the legitimate, real, one hundred percent Mystic Pizza in Mystic Seaport, which was the. I mean, I guess the writer of this movie like went there on a family vacation or something. Was like inspired to write a story about it. I mean, there has to be more to it than that, but yeah. that's all the IMDb but, says I mean, about it. But was it good? Was it good pizza? pizza? Was it pizza of my life. No shit. Oh, so, it was okay. Oh, it was amazing. So, um, I want to talk about this real quick. Um, the okay. writer is Amy Holden Jones, and the fact that she was already an established director with success and she didn't get to direct this movie fucking boggles my damn mind. 
How the fuck does that happen? Oh, they handed it to Daniel Petrie. She had a big hit. She's notorious for being, I think, the first female slasher director. She did uh, Slumber Party Massacre, which was a big hit. Uh, they did two sequels. She did Love Letters, which was critically acclaimed and successful with Jamie Lee Curtis. And then in 87, she had just come off of Made to Order, which was, did very well. And I just assumed she did Mystic Pizza. And I look, and it's Daniel Petrie. And I think that's the guy who wrote Beverly Hills. How the fuck does he get that? I want to see right now. But she also wrote Be- uh, Beethoven, Indecent Proposal, The Getaway, and The Relic. Wildly different movies. Yeah. Beethoven? I mean, what? I mean, that's... There is nothing... I don't think any of those movies have anything in common. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Kudos to you, lady. Uh, Donald Petrie had never directed a movie before, so what the fuck? Explain to me why that happened. Now, his... She is also a a co-creator of a popular show that is on now. What? called Called The Residence. Which is a medical drama. Oh, uh, okay. Which, I mean, there's so many medical dramas, right? But yeah. good cast. Emily Van Camp, Bruce Greenwood, Malcolm Jamal Warner. Yeah, it is a good cast, yeah. Uh, she's always just had very strong female. Because uh, 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 Slumber Party Massacre sounds like a piece of shit. It just does. But she writes these well, characters as very... Uh, they have their own agency. They're not stupid. They, they handle the killer fairly well. And it was one of the very first movies to like, hey, it can be an exploitation film, but it can still have smart characters. And I, I appreciate that. I gotta say, looking at a picture of her, she looks like a ball buster, and I like that. <laughs> she looks like fucking serious pro mama. Good... No, seriously. Um... That really bugs me, and that that was her experience. But also, I mean, we don't really know the the story behind it. Maybe she didn't want to direct it. Maybe, or maybe she's really good uh, friends with uh, Daniel Petrie and said, "Hey, this is your shot. Go for it." Because he's not a writer. I was wrong. He's not the guy behind uh, behind uh, writing Beverly Hills Cops. So I can't remember who is. But he had just done a bunch of TV. Um, well, you know what. I'm looking at some of the stuff that he did on TV. He was fairly experienced before he did this. So, okay, never mind. So, I'm going to say uh, a couple more things. One, uh, Conchata Farrell. Wonderful. Like, this is what I know her from. Yeah, yeah. Is that how you say her name? Yeah, I think so. She, I don't know. Did she just pass away, sadly? I feel like she just yes, passed away. Yeah, she did. This is what I know her from. Way before she, you know, got all her acclaim for being on, like, whatever that show's Two and called. A half I was going to say Three Men and well, Old and a Baby. Hold on a second. Two and a half men. Does she also run a pizza place in Mr. Deeds? I don't know. I'm pretty I sure can't she remember. runs the pizza place with Deeds. But, um,. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Her performance is fantastic, and I the this the funny scene is the the guy who comes in eats it is so uh, tension filled, but like a good way. Like you're not scared, you're like excited, and then it just kind of like plays around with the rules. You're like, oh, didn't that didn't go the way I thought it would either. Yeah, very. Uh, you know, a lot of the you're right. The tropes don't go the way that you expect them to, and that's really good. I mean. Like, the whole sleeping with a married man thing, like, yes, ultimately, you know, he's a, he's the grown-up there. He 
is held accountable for his actions, but she certainly did a lot of the uh, pursuing. Dear, yeah. There. But he's and, older and he knew better, uh, so. Right. No, I'm not saying he isn't to blame, and he handled that all so fucking wrong. It was so messed up, and I feel so bad for her. But it also, I'm just saying that it also wasn't necessarily completely predictable and, um, you know, the same as other situations like that. Um, I think personally that she is the standout in this movie for me. Definitely. Annabeth Gish. Um, she just, I mean, everyone has so much depth and, you know, is very nuanced and has so many layers, but she really is just, you know, uh, the most complicated, it seems like, person in this, in this movie. Um, because, like, the other girls are pretty much... You know, they're they're staying in Mystic. That this is their life, and they're just sort of um, easing into it. You know, accepting their roles. And she doesn't necessarily fit. I mean, they love her. She's their family. But there's more for her, and they all know that. So there's a lot of pressure on her, and and you can see that she's different. Yeah. You know. Okay. All right, so our second film is Dogfight, a movie that nobody knows. I remember reading the reviews, though, when it came out. All You remember back when you used to go to a video store and you used to pick up those guides that tell you what came out that month? I saw it in there, and they said, this yeah. movie is absolutely fantastic, and I just kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and I finally watched it one day, and I I, I just really enjoyed it. I, and I just was so sad watching it because it got dumped, and it's one of the last movies from River Phoenix. Here's what I'll say. I've never seen that movie before. I never really wanted to, and this is why. Wow. Because legitimately, the the whole concept behind it oh, yeah. made me so sad, and I thought, this movie is too mean. And so I never watched it because the plot sounds so cruel. Yeah, it's uh, like that movie, uh, um, Dinner for Schmucks, that kind of concept. Yes. But... Dinner for Schmucks was, you know, cruelty uh, with some, you know, garbage piled on us, like steaming hot poo garbage on top. So that's not what this movie really is. I mean, it starts with an unpleasant concept. It is. This movie is so complicated. And on an emotional level, yes. I felt a lot in a very short period of time. Like. This was a good, well-written, and complicated movie. I, I was disgusted. I was angry. Uh, I was, like, emotional. I was, like, ooh, this is kind of sweet. And then very sad. So in a very short period of time, there's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah, My it's goodness. one night. It's just one night. And again... One of those slice-of-life things that is just, I think, um, just goes to show you, like, how much, I mean, theoretically, one one moment in time, one one small thing, one, one night can change your life in some way, even if it's not, like, 
epically and forever, you know, that those relate that relationship made a mark on both of them. Right. Well, and, and, and based on its plot, it does seem like it's going to be driven that way because it's all concept-related. Unlike Mystic Pizza, which you, if you try to explain to somebody, it's a little more complicated and denser. It feels more like a novel. And this one is just literally yeah. the concept is, hey, these four guys, these military guys, they're ready to go off to Vietnam. They're going to have one last thing. They do like this annual contest where they go out and find the ugliest girl they can and bring her to this dance. And whoever brings the ugliest girl wins. And immediately he's River Phoenix's character is complicated because he's like, I gotta do this. The rest of these assholes are gonna make me do this because I'm in the military. That's just how it works. You gotta be a unit, so you gotta follow along. And he tries to find some people, but you can see the whole time he's uncomfortable with the whole idea. It's not like he's out now, yeah. like, yeah, let's go find the ugliest person. And it, it keeps failing. He runs into Lily Taylor, and in the mere concept, though, to me that bothers me. And, of course, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, is at any point anybody would consider her unattractive. Especially so unattractive that you'd bring her to an ugly girl party. And I think Lily Taylor's absolutely lovely. And the only way they, the way they could fuck it up is, even he knows it, she's not that unattractive. Is that he has to have her, like, right. a, you know, the makeup and do the hair weird or whatever. But at no point is she, you know, uh... Uh, displeasing, I guess, to the eye. I, I really appreciate appreciate Lily Taylor. I think I just so strange that she's just she's never been a star, but she's good enough of an actress that she is stuck around. Yeah, you know, I think she's she's one of those people that you would refer to as a character actor more than anything. You know, she's right. But do you think that she plays like crazy more forever. often? She always plays like really eccentric, crazy characters, and I don't know why. Is it something she prefers, or is that I the mean, only thing that's offered to her, which would make me so mad? I mean, I would say that while I agree with you that she is not ugly, and I find it confusing that, that she would even be considered in that way, uh, <clears throat> she's not conventionally beautiful either. She's not doesn't have a conventional look of a lot of you know, stars or whatever. So it is possible that she gets offered more quirky, uh, you know, odd kind of characters because she's not, you know, super gorgeous. I don't know. Yeah, I was looking at some of the pivotal roles. Hollywood, I don't understand. Look at some of the stuff that I know her from, or stuff that was more successful. Was like, okay, she she was in Rudy. She had a significant role in that. I remember I shot Andy Warhol was a big independent movie. Uh, she was in Ransom. Uh, was, uh, the Haunting, of course, I think was the she big was, one for her in that. She was one of the girl, one of his girlfriends in High Fidelity. Yeah. When he goes back to like reevaluate his relationships, you know, she had a long, a long running um, stint on Six Feet Under that was pretty substantial. Um, oh, The Conjuring! I mean, That's why I've seen her lately. That was a big movie, and she was in the Maze Runner movies. Uh, so she's still working a lot. She she played yeah. So oh no, she played Selena Kyle. Oh no, it was an episode called Selena Kyle. I've never seen Gotham, so I don't know what the what that is. Or how that, how the characters, it, it's a, uh, it's a prequel, right? Like a really early prequel when uh, Bruce Wayne's a kid, right? Yes. Okay. It's sort of like what leads the time between, you know, his parents getting 
murdered and him becoming Batman. It's, oh, okay. It's his prog- progression. So she's um, in. Uh, she's in Perry Mason. I don't right remember now. what episode she was in at all. Oh, okay. But yeah, she just she's a she's a fantastic actress. But you're right, she's unconventional, and maybe that's why I find her appealing. But I also just think she's an absolutely phenomenal actress, and uh, she, this is her showcase. I know River Phoenix is the name. And he gets a lot to work with, but this is her showcase. And the way they play off each other mm-hmm. is phenomenal. She changes him. For sure. I mean, I think he changes her too, but not not in the same way. Like, he, I think, helps her maybe have a little more confidence in expressing herself and... I mean, she has a lot of passion. It's not like she, you know, at first she's real mousy and is just sort of like, you know, wants to not necessarily be be a people pleaser, but she wants to be super nice to everyone and is like, you know, chatty and awkward and seems like she never talks to people her own age. Um, So there's a level of awkwardness there. But as you get to know her with his, Kind of with his support, you find out all these other things about her. You know that she is uh, wants to be a songwriter and feels very passionately about certain things, and they even fight about some of those things. Yeah, I feel like um, she's more locked into knowing who she is, though, than he is. Yes, I agree. But he, gave, I think, he gives her the confidence to express what that is. Yeah, he's assertive. Not but he just, also is yeah. not able to really control his anger. There's scenes in there, especially like the restaurant scene where he has to go get a you know a wear a tie or something like that, and he's just so angry he won't stop cussing. And she's like, "You got got to stop because you're gonna blow up." And I think almost like they don't mention it, but almost like he needed to join the military even if he wasn't drafted, so that somebody could direct his his frustrations and rage. Well, I, I mean, I absolutely loved when she put him in his place when they're in that nice restaurant and she just straight face does does exactly what he's doing and, and says, you know, curse words, like everything. I want to get a motherfucking <laughs> salad with it with a you know a shit ton of salad whatever and i don't know what this asshole's gonna have but it was just like (laughs) made him realize how like stupid and awkward it sounds that he can't say even one phrase without like cuss words in it that he um, was not necessarily embarrassed but it like i think definitely opened his eyes a little bit and he kind of calmed down afterwards and uh, there's a, a scene where she just unleashes the fire inside of her when she finds out about the, the game. And I think it's kind of interesting. I didn't know this until I saw the credits, <laughs> who the girl was without the, with, you know, the missing teeth. And I just kept going. You didn't know it was no, e- 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 Daily? Yeah, no, I didn't. E- I was Daily? Like, What's the voice name? sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell. And when I, when I looked at the credits, I go, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I could tell, but, you know, it was only with but with the teeth and stuff it was tough at first but uh yeah that was a that whole thing was super weird and how she was like a ringer or whatever yeah, and, yeah. uh she was so awkward i mean she was she was a ringer she knew what was happening so she like definitely did weird shit <laughs> like her awkward laughing and stuff <laughs> <laughs> 
And how surprised were you oh. that Anthony Clark? Is this the first thing that Anthony Clark ever did? Well, I definitely was like, why do I know that voice first? Yeah. Like, that that voice and that twang, like, that is a southern accent, like, I've only heard one other place, you know? And so I realized, but it really, I had to look it up to be sure because he looked so different and was so much younger than we had, you know, first been introduced to him, which strangely, you know... We were fans of his, well, some of his TV endeavors, not all of them, but... Uh, well, Boston Common was the definitely. big one for us, yeah. But I'm looking at this right now, yes, he so, must have raked in the cash from Yes, Dear, and then said, fuck it, because he only has two credits since that show ended. <laughs> I think he's originally well, a stand-up comedian, right? I believe so, yeah. I mean, maybe the show was... Maybe he did not enjoy his experience. I watched a couple episodes of the show. I think I don't know how fun that would be to to work to work with Michael Malley. I don't know. <laughs> I like Michael Malley. I think it's fun. But um, yeah, it says he's still a stand-up comedian in Boston, Massachusetts, but he's essentially just retired. So he's just like a Boston dude because like Boston comments. Yeah, I he guess. I, but wait, wait really like but Boston? he's born in born in Virginia, so that must be where he got the accent. Because that's the the big gag in Boston comedy is that he's a Southerner up in Boston. I'm gonna revisit. That I show. wonder if that's like like something he he is just not in control of. Like that's just what it is, and he never tried to do anything about it, yeah. or if he just lays it on as thick as possible. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. That's kind of his, a like, stick. You can sell character, that stick, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, not exactly Fran Drescher level shtick, but like you know, the same idea. But um, it's part it, of a character he's he's created. It's there, you can tell. But a lot of what's wrong with him is that they're all nervous. They're all about to go off to war, and they think they pretend like it's nothing. And I think they're kind of sold on the concept that it's going to be nothing because it's really early Vietnam. It's not like the the stuff you see mm-hmm. like uh, you know in Platoon where it's like sixty eight, sixty nine. This is what sixty four or sixty five. It's real early in Vietnam. Yeah, well, especially when he when she asks him about it, and you know, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm going to Okinawa, but I, I really want to try to get to Vietnam." Oh, there's not really, not really that much stuff going on there. It, it'll be an easy whatever experience. Yeah, you know, clearly they did not know what what was going on, yeah. you know, before they went. And that's the big heartbreak at the end is because I get the feeling that he was there for a while. They probably just kept re-enlisting him because, what, your tour of duty is supposed to be two years, I think. But they, it looked like they kept him for six, maybe eight years. He's over there. Or maybe I misread it, but he seems like he's over there for a long time. When he comes back, he's broken. I can't remember what when what year the movie started. It says sixty three. But didn't he yeah. come back in night? I think he came back in nineteen sixty six. Oh really? Okay. If, I mean, I watched it this morning. I'm pretty sure that it's pretty fresh. I think it said 1966. Okay. But still, you know what he experienced in that short period of time. And what they, you know, they only showed a blip, but that blip of his experience is enough to break anyone, you know? Yeah. And he, you know, he's totally heartbroken and totally, 
destroyed. And frankly, I thought he was so destroyed that I was actually surprised that he went back in the end. Yeah. Like, I'm glad he did because I think he needed her more than she needed him, but he needed her, <clears throat> excuse me, to like ground him and help him like come back from that. Because he just seemed like he was just, like, just... A floating soul, basically. She was, his, she was his anchor. Yes. Yeah. Floating, she was his anchor that he almost... I mean, did you think he wasn't... Did you think for a moment he wasn't going to go? I, I thought he was going to be too scared and chicken out. Especially when he, like, sees her from a distance. And he... I, he I, there's something in behind his eyes. God so upset that River Phoenix is gone because there's so much going on behind his eyes. He was the greatest I actor, I believe, of his generation. And just, you get, you get what, you got seven years with him? That's it? It's just fucking heartbreaking. But when you see what he, you know, you're not yeah. sure if he's going to go or not. Or he doesn't feel like, I feel like he's, in his head, what he saw destroyed him. And that he cannot go back to her because he's not the same man anymore. That he's not worthy of her. Right. Well, he wasn't really worthy of her to begin with, yeah. honestly. Honestly. Yeah, but he kind of conned know, himself. I, I think he led himself to believe it, but this time he can't. Right. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Because there is a point, you know, after after he their, their, you know, crazy night together, and he's going back to to base or whatever that he's just he's talking to his friend who about how they're both just full of shit you know everything they've said and done is just such lies and you know being with her and meeting her maybe was like the truest thing he had done in a long time I mean how how I realize it was a different time in like the 60s but how does a 16 year old like join the military you know that no, can't, no. that wouldn't happen now. No, they do. Well, they don't get the, you don't ship off. But do you remember uh, oh. Jamin? Jamin signed up for the military when he was sixteen. He was already going to like courses and stuff like that during the summer. But was it like the reserves? I mean, the reserves are kind of different. I, I can't remember, but I remember like it was just a thing. He was locked in before high school was even over with. Which I, I when he told uh. me, my jaw was on the fucking floor because I was like, how is that even legal? Well. I realize that there's a lot of things that I don't understand about the world, especially around the military, so I don't know. But this is a, you know, he signed up when he was, like, 16. At this point, he was already almost 19, and there was, like, there's three years of his life already that he's committed, and then nobody, nobody really knows who they are when they're 16, you know? And then he falls in with these, like, little ding-dongs, and they become, like, this little crew of ding-dongs. <laughs> I mean, they're so You laugh, but I've been using that word a lot lately. I've called people ding-dongs. So, just <laughs> such immature, you know, man, man-child thing going on, and there's dumb games, and... You know, what all the stuff that they were pulling the night before and and then they I'm sure just were in a world of shock when they actually had to show up for this and then you see what happens and he, without getting too 
<clears throat> gory or descriptive in the scenes, he's the only one who makes it. Yeah. And that is enough to break anyone. It's it's a very and then when he shows his four beat. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not exploitative. He, it's he not sh- obvious. Go ahead, sorry. No, it's not. No, it's fine. I'm so sorry. Like you're right. It's it's honest. They're not. You know, they're not glorifying anything. They're not. It just is. Yeah. Um. And when, and when he goes into that bar and the guy asks him about his tattoos and he like shows him the four bees and you're just like oh god that hurts yeah, yeah. and then he like and then the man is just like well that sucks because what else do you say to that yeah there's nothing you can say to that terrible life experience and what do we do we and just, we just send our there. kids over there we fucking send these kids who don't know and and just like it, it's I like know. they're taking advantage of their uh ignorance Naivete. Yeah, they're just, yeah. They're just fucking cannon fodder. I don't want to go on a rant here, but I just feel like we abuse the children. He's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. You're going to, I mean, they did that to Devon. You're going to spend time exploring uh, uh, Europe. You're going to hang out in Germany and then Devon. And he was older by this time, but he signed up and he, they just fucking threw him in the desert. And he was just so miserable. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want you to tell his wife stuff. Well, also, I didn't say his last people. name, so, hmm. Okay, my bad. Um, you know, I think that most of our culture, most of our American way is about taking advantage of people and um, straight up fucking selling people a bill of goods. So uh, this movie is definitely <laughs> uh, showing <clears throat> it's not uh, it's not necessarily its intention but I do think that it definitely shows you that level of exploitation in some ways and right. how much they're conflicted in their personalities and, and yet you know she's she's a straight up freaking hippie like she hasn't quite like she hasn't quite gone through that transition like in her you know Style and right, it's looks, just the dawn she, of Aquarius. <laughs> but when she's just like, you know, I'm talking about all these certain musicians and what music can do, which I don't disagree with her at all, how a powerful music can be. Um, but when, by the time he comes back, he's broken and she's a straight up hippie. And I swear to God, I want to see... I wish I could see Dogfight 2 to see what happens to the relationship. But for that movie, for that story, for that slice of life in those moments, you know, they're important to each other for various reasons. And, you know, they're going to find salvation in each other. At least maybe... Him, him needing her more than the other way around, but you know that's sometimes how relationships are. Yeah, it's. I'm really glad you liked it. It's. Uh, I wasn't 100 certain you were going to dig it. Uh, it's a movie that basically has been tossed away. I looked at this and it said it made thirty thousand dollars. It was released in two movies and then it went <laughs> to video. And uh, also in two theaters. Yeah, it was only in two theaters. Warner Brothers produced this. They released this. Wow. And they're like, man, it's okay. We're just gonna throw it away. Why do you do that? Is it a tax write-off? Why not give it a shot? I don't. It's not like Warner Phoenix was a why, name. <laughs> I don't understand how any why anyone treats 
stuff like that. Like you put in the time, you put in the money, you created this piece of work. You know, is it all is it all fucking art? Maybe not, but it's still something that you that many people invested their blood, sweat, and tears into, and give it what it deserves. You know, right? Well, just so let it sad. play the independent circuit. It would have done well, I believe, back then because independent movies yeah. were starting to get a lot of heat. And yeah. it's not like it was a bad movie where it's like, oh shit, what have we fucking done? You know, like I mean, if you're no. gonna put this is the same goddamn company that put. Oops, I, I said it. I I've been trying to replace the word with something else, and I'm saying God love it. And then I woke up the other night and I said John Lovitz as my cuss word. Um, oh, I like it, <laughs> John Lovitz. Um, that this is the same company that put Battlefield Earth like on twenty seven thousand screens or whatever. It's just so ridiculous. And this is just oh no, it's just. It's in our contract. We get technically have to release this, so just get it out there. Dag nabbit. Yep. And apparently, um, Matt Damon made a uh, his debut in that movie. Apparently, Brendan Fraser has his debut in this movie at the very yes. end. And I did not see him. Did you see him? It is not at the very end. It's like towards the middle. Uh, it's a brief scene in. Um, oh wait, no, one, he has a fist fight in a bar, scene. right? Okay, no, wait, I do remember yes, that now. He, he is a sailor. with them. Sorry about that. My phone rang. That was weird. I was wondering what just happened. <laughs> um, my bad. My bad. Nobody calls me, so I did not expect that. Um, so that probably means we should wrap it up because it's yep. going to ring again. I know it. Um, it's a great movie. It's very complicated. It gives you lots of levels of feels. Uh, go find it. Yes, and I got it cheap. I got it for five bucks. They were having a sale on it. It's uh, Warner Brothers. Sometimes will put these five dollar titles up that are pretty hard to find. And it's uh, it's if I'm gonna, it's gonna cost me that much to rent it. You know, why not just buy it? Yeah. All right, everybody. That is it. <laughs> everybody, that is it for us on this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Video Night Podcast. This is the last month of Video Night. We are going to be wrapping it up with the Coen Brothers uh, episode, and Andrew and I are signing off. But the show's legacy will survive with this show. So thank you, everybody, for six years of listenership. Are, and me and Mindy are taking the reins. Yay! Um, I have boatloads of fun. And what is the what are the next two movies? Damn it, we just talked about it. Oh, uh, uh, fire, fire Up. Wait, wait, fired Up and Bring It On. Oh, yes. All right. And, uh, Sounds great. At some point, we'll do Kick-Ass 1 and 2, but I, I want to do that next because oh, I mean, Fired Up's fresh in our mind. List, our list of, uh, of movies to talk about is really, 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 really long. Yeah. We'll get to them all. Yeah, and I want to cool. do TV shows at some point. I want to pick a show like Freaks and, and Geeks also, or Square Pegs. Delightful for re- listeners, if there's something you want us to cover, let us know, and we will take it into consideration. Yep, just... I hope to God there's no teenagers and human centipede. Don't you fucking bring that in my house. Uh, <laughs> right? Not on not on the list. Won't do it no matter what. Sorry. Nope. Sorry, everybody. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.